Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Safety and Health Podcast by Safety and Health Practitioner. I'm your host, Ian Hart, and on today's podcast, we're going to be covering burnout, which I'm sure is something many of you have felt at one point in your career. We'll be discussing what signs to look for, how you can educate your company to embrace it, and discuss why mental health is such a taboo subject. Burnout is defined as a syndrome resulting from chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed. It is characterised by three dimensions. Feelings of energy depletion or exhaustion, increased mental distance from one's job or feelings of negativism or cynicism relating to one's job, and reduced professional efficiency. In May 2019, the World Health Organization announced that in the ICD-11 International Classification of Mental Illnesses, there will be a new category of burnout as an occupational phenomenon, not a mental condition. But what causes burnout? The WHO and the HSE argue that a great deal of sickness absence is down to purely work-related stress, but there is little agreement from scholars in terms of what in work specifically creates burnout. In 1983, a macro study towards the theory of burnout, Scott T. Meyer stated that burnout is defined as a state in which individuals expect little reward and considerable punishment from work because of a lack of value reinforcement, controllable outcomes or personal competence. In the last 30 years, however, the world of work has changed significantly, with much less divide between home and work and the demands in both places increasing. This comes at a time of greater job insecurity. Heather Beach is founder and managing director of The Healthy Work Company and has been running businesses in health and safety for over 20 years. The Healthy Work Company provides solutions which drive the wellbeing agenda to enable thriving in the workplace at all levels. Back in 2019, she hosted a webinar in which she spoke to Stacey Thompson, award-winning mental health nurse and cognitive behavioural coach, to discuss burnout, perfectionism and how to deal with burnout as an individual, as management and as an organisation. Let's join the discussion with Stacey explaining her views on what burnout is. Now, I think the workplace and burnout is very much part of this new trendy mental health term that mental health is caused purely by the work that we do, especially for those people who are suffering in the workplace. But I think the workplace has definitely a responsibility to help people maintain their mental health and provide the information that people need to survive in the common world that we now live in. Let's face it, we live in a 24-7 workplace culture. You know, everyone needs to get hold of us at all times. And there's a lot of competition. And we're also living in a comparison universe now. So I think the workplace doesn't really put boundaries in anymore. So you've got these workplaces that want power, they want money, they want success, they want to retain the best talent. And I think that's associated a lot with we want you to be the best that you can be. I've even seen advertised saying we want perfection. And, you know, even that in a statement, you know, I, I went to see somebody not that long ago and, I, and it was in their values. And I was like, you do know that you've got strive for perfection in your values. And they go, do we? They didn't even know themselves. And I was like, yeah, you do. I said, they're striving for excellence, but you can never strive for perfection because perfection doesn't exist. I had no idea that I had perfectionist tendencies because for me, a perfectionist was somebody who procrastinated, who was tidy, who was organized. And what I didn't realize was there are many different dimensions to perfectionism and that one of those is incredibly high standards for yourself. Mm -hmm. Can you just comment on how the characteristic of perfectionism functions and how it contributes to this idea of burnout? 
I mean, I think it's silly to think that no successful person hasn't really got there from having perfectionist tendencies. I think that's why it's crazy where you often see senior leaders say they've never struggled with their mental health, which is utter, I mean, excuse the word, bol- because you can't get to a position of such hierarchy without having the drive to excel and at times having suffered from your drive to excel. I think often because we're getting success and we are not failing very often that we don't develop the tolerance around the failures. The things that people often find difficult as perfectionists is fear of failure, fear of uncertainty, lack of control. They have high expectations not only of themselves uh, but also of others often. And then they have imposed societal expectations. And I think what we're getting brought up nowadays is in a world where we all feel that we should be perfect. And unfortunately, it's it's a catch-22 because the more you feel that you're not meeting your standards or other people's standards, the more anxiety you get around that. And then anxiety then stops you being able to do your best because your head is so full of the stuff, the chaos, the overthinking, the irrational thoughts, the illogical thoughts, that you then become depressed because you can no longer do what you do. And if you haven't become anxious first, then you become depressed first. And then because you're depressed, you become anxious. So it goes around in, in a circle. For me, one of the big things that I learned through this episode was the fact that I need to develop much more self-awareness around when I'm about to tip over because work for me is a major contributor to thriving. Mm -hmm. So it's not just about status. It's about being in an environment where I'm constantly learning, playing to my strengths, because I think we have a conversation in this country particularly where work is to live, can't wait for the weekend, can't wait to retire. For me, I'm much more uh, in tune with the Aristotelian concept that actually work is a major contributor to thriving. So my work for me became almost like play. And because I'm enjoying it so much, I'm not noticing that actually I'm about to hit the point at which I am actually about to tip over into burnout. And I go straight from I'm doing really well to I've that's it, I've had enough. Mm-hmm. And what's really interesting for me is that you talked about this link between anxiety and depression. One of the worst things about that is that you actually end up feeling really disengaged, hopeless, And all of the normal things which drive your performance have just disappeared entirely because Mm. you just can't see the point anymore. Mm. You've been in such overdrive that you can't do it. But what do you think are what we should be looking for in ourselves to recognize that we're actually at a dangerous point? It's when work is taking over your life and you're not able to actually spend time in anything that soothes you or your relationships are suffering. The difference between striving for excellence and perfectionism is that unrelented part of the actual measurement side. And I think when it then starts to become costly to you and you keep striving for it anyway, that's the issue. This links into, I suppose, the neuroscience and physiological part of our human being as a body. And I think we have this really complex computer system in our head and absolutely none of us know how to use it or how it works or anything else. Like any old computer, the more windows you open, eventually it freezes and then you have to control or delete and switch it off. Or many of us in the olden days used to throw the computer out the window we have to be able to start thinking about how does this work and if you are a perfectionist you very much live on adrenaline you you are very much fueled by cortisone all the time because you get a good amount of stress right doing things and having pressure you know is things that you thrive off you know and and getting things done really validates you as a human being but also that anxiety is triggering our threat response it's our amygdala that's being stimulated all the time 
And then you've got the dopamine end of the day and the pleasure receptor. So when you're successful, you're tipping into that pleasure receptor all of the time. And the problem is, is that the more you stimulate that pleasure receptor, the more it becomes a little bit numb to what you used to get enjoyment out of. The success that you originally had needs to be, you move the bar further up. And that's why perfectionism never has a ceiling, right? So you end up in a situation where you're no longer getting enjoyment out of things that you thought you would get enjoyment out of and your threat response is overstimulated. And if your threat response is overstimulated, you don't trigger your parasympathetic nervous system, which is your self-soothing system. And I think that's a later developed brain and that's where we can apply rationale and, and thinking and we can separate our emotions from actually what's factual and what's correct and how can we become more wise in our mind and I think the problem is is that we don't know how to soothe each other anymore or soothe ourselves we don't spend much time there because there's not a lot of validation (laughs) from the soothing and I think we need to become more aware that doing isn't always great actually there's nothing wrong with doing nothing however we have to become much more comfortable with the uncomfortableness of doing nothing and I think If you are really struggling to not do nothing, then that's a sign, a massive sign. I, for one, was really struck by the concept of being comfortable doing nothing, and I think it's something we can all take on board and resonate with. Coming after the break, we'll rejoin the chat between Heather Beach and Stacey Thompson as they discuss burnout and mental health more from the perspective of an organisation. Let me take you back to the webinar which was originally recorded in 2019. So far you've heard both Heather Beach and Stacey Thompson discuss burnout. In this part you're going to hear all about how organisations deal with their staff and are they appointing managers correctly. We're going back to the webinar at the point where Heather has asked Stacey about the trend of reducing work hours and the working week to for example four days. Is it really beneficial? Here is Stacey. So first of all, I think we've just been very overprotective of us as a human race and we're allowing us to become even more intolerant, first of all. That might sound very harsh to a lot of people, but I think we're not helping people become more tolerant of the world. Actually, what we're doing is being overprotective. How can we help you? The other thing is four-day weeks, you know, there's a lot of evidence that suggests that we're more productive over four days. And actually, when we have a time frame to get things done, then we can get things done. But the organization needs to give you the skills to be able to switch off. Like if you do a four-day week and you're someone who has an inability to switch off, so you constantly go and go and go, you will work solidly for those four days in order to get those five days squeezed in. Whereas if you are a nine-to-five person at five o'clock, you know you have to switch off. You'll be more productive between those hours. The problem is, is that there's no boundary. But if you are to do that to people, You have to understand that there'll be an incredible amount of people out there that are very anxious if they're no longer able to work after a certain period of time. So those people who never think that their work's good enough, that they haven't done enough, that the presentation won't be right, that they still have to answer all of these emails, that they still have so much to do. Because for the rest of that evening, that person will be sitting at home really, really anxious and worried that tomorrow they won't have a job anymore. So you have to be able to manage the two. We always look at a human well-being coming from three aspects. Them as an individual and their self-awareness, what's going on in their life, working on their own resilience. The organization, which in some industries is actually more like the industry. If you look at something like construction or media where the supply chain requirement, uh, it's very difficult to actually extract the organization and what they can do from the whole industry. And then the third aspect is management. And as we said, you know, your relationship with your manager is the most important thing in terms of your workplace 
thriving, your enjoyment of work. And yet I'm always really surprised that we haven't made more progress in the UK, certainly, in terms of promoting people on their people skills as opposed to their technical skills and in training them properly, in training them to understand what a good conversation looks like, not just in from a sort of a mental health first aid perspective, but also what their legal requirements, what's their duty of care. Mm. We need to have started in the wrong place in wellbeing by not training managers first and foremost. What's your view on that? Well, I think that comes down to the fact that a lot of people in the world aren't naturally empathic or people-people. I think we expect managers to go in and take leadership positions. And, yeah, they'll go on a course about how to be a leader, and then they go out and they're an all-singing, all-dancing leader. You only get better at something by deliberately practicing it. And if it doesn't come normal or natural to you, then, unfortunately, the leaders need to know that... In order to be successful and do their job properly, they have to do that. But I don't think they do because there's no consequence at the moment. And I don't think anywhere you will find people that leave organisations. You have people that leave managers and leaders because they're not their type of manager. In perfectionism, for example, there's a segment of perfection called other-orientated perfectionism where you're very highly critical of other people and you micromanage and you mentioned earlier on about control and control is a big thing with regards to perfectionism and that's because you might become a leader you might become a manager but you still have an inability to give the control to other people because you never feel that that person can do a good enough job as you can so therefore you don't end up delegating you end up being very critical of other people's work and if they don't meet your standards you're probably more likely to try and shift them out of your team on top of that people who are moving from big organizations for example and setting up their own business they struggle highly with this because even as they start to recruit they no longer have the security of an organization around them they are fully in charge of their income and if they have families they have houses they have a a life to meet the needs of especially for society you know they still have to live up to their previous life for example they start to falter because they start doing everything in the business because they can get that that's the only way that they feel that they can make money or keep in control of their success you know so it's these types of things that we need to become more aware of what do we do because if we're just aware of it and we just wait for the burnout to happen that is going to make absolutely no difference to us because it's a very reactive way of looking at life it's also fundamental that as a society we somehow don't value happiness above financial success do we you know we are here to make money to show that we have a certain amount of status but it's not about happiness we've only recently started to measure that under david cameron didn't we which unfortunately he's going to be known for brexit rather than rather than measuring happiness but you know for me like it should start with government government should be responsible for the well-being of the citizens not uk plc as it were moving back to us as individuals I am fascinated by this stuff and I'm very, very able to say where I've fallen over because for me, it's just a subject to dig into and understand where it came from in order to be the best human being that I can be. So I'm very happy to talk about all this. But when I speak to people about the fact that for me, an ongoing understanding of ourselves is absolutely critical to being happy. A lot of people go, oh, my goodness me, that sounds like an awful lot of hard work. I really don't fancy that. What do you recommend for people who think I'm not going to go see a therapist or, you know, it just isn't for me. I'm just going to get on with it. Mm. What do you recommend? 
I think we all have an internal version of mental health and it generally is around anxiety, depression, you know, one flew over the cookies nest. And this is what's very disappointing is that there's lots of people and lots of people talking out there because of the trend of mental health that are actually talking about mental health in the wrong way. And people in very prestigious positions are still talking about mental health equates to illness, which is, is not true at all. You know, we can't be alive, we can't be living, we can't be doing, we can't be successful, we can't be having, having really great relationships, we can't be able to concentrate and learn without our mental health being part of that. And I think every learning program is mental health related, every mentor, every performance review, every conversation we have, our relationships at home, are all tapping into our mental health. Yet you never hear that. You never say, oh, we're going on a mental health learning and development program because we don't associate it with that. And I think that's where we need to start so then we can then start to begin to accept that mental health is for everybody. And then we can start building some of these things that we're talking about into everyday training. You know, I don't understand why we're not talking to all stakeholders in businesses already looking at what are the programs that you already have? How can we add in an additional element in there? Even about understanding. When I talk to you, me and you are far more advanced in this conversation than most of the universe. Loads of people don't even know about what the threat response even is. They don't understand themselves in any way, shape or form. So even us knowing that is far more advanced than most people. I don't know if you've read the book, Why the Western World's Become So Self-Obsessed. It's a really interesting book, but it talks about tribalism. It also talks about perfectionism and the perfection of self and, and, and society perfectionism. And I think it really highlights about how... We don't even know what happiness is anymore. Happiness to us is about self-actualization around money, power, success. That's a lot to do with reputation. It's a lot to do with the type of house that we have, how many holidays. We are a consumer society that we live in. And this is the Western world, may I add. I think there's a lot of different third world countries who are a lot happier than us because they don't place happiness on material possessions. Yet we do. And... You know, I think we fundamentally forgot that we are human beings. We are animals at the core. We are connecting type people. We are tribal. You know, we can't take away evolution. The world sucks a lot of the time, but sometimes it can be okay. And I think contentment has to be our aim. It's not thrilling happiness because I think happiness doesn't really exist. really thought-provoking conclusion there from Stacey about happiness and one which I'm sure you will all take away with you after listening to today's session. I wanted to also touch on the point that Stacey made about mental health and how mental health is for everybody and that we wouldn't exist without our mental health. I speak to Heather Beach fairly regularly and she's a huge advocate of when we speak about the struggles with anxiety and depression and burnout it should be referred to as mental ill health and not simply as mental health. Heather has written a host of articles for SHP, but if you wanted to read up more on the subject of burnout, please check out her article, Burnout, Stress and Being Human, which you can find at shponline.co.uk forward slash stress forward slash what dash causes dash burnout. From that page, you can also find a link to listen to the full recording of the webinar that the segments were taken from this podcast. If you or anyone you know is suffering from some of the issues mentioned on this podcast, please do visit the Stress, Anxiety and Depression section of the NHS website, nhs.co.uk. I'd like to thank Heather Beach from the Healthy Work Company and Stacey Thompson from the Performance Club for their time in putting this session together. Please be sure to stay tuned to shponline.co.uk for the very latest health and safety news, and you can also sign up to our daily e-newsletter. My name's Ian Hart, and I'm the editor of SHP. Thank you very much for listening and see you on the next episode.